Folks, welcome, welcome, welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Uh, this is Raf, and of course, uh, I've got some great guests. But before I introduce them, the topic is going to be ransomware. And I know you guys, uh, you've seen it in the news. There's been lots of conversations about it uh, in all sorts of different angles. But I figured let's grab two people who actually know the area, know the field, know what we're talking about, and can provide some pretty good substantive value and then give you some ideas for how to avoid the stuff. So uh, I'm going to tip it over to uh, Chester Wisniewski first. Chester, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Would you care to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm the principal research scientist at Sophos, which uh, doesn't exactly describe much of what I do, but my job is sort of to assess the greater threat landscape, especially based on the research that a lot of our uh, analysts are doing, you know, in in the uh, with their goals of uh, protecting our customers. So I kind of have the advantage of being able to kind of flit amongst some of the world's foremost experts in malware, uh, extract the most interesting developments from that and kind of the trends that we're seeing in the lab and kind of assemble the big picture that uh, IT security professionals need to uh, kind of make decisions and assess risk for their organizations. Well, I'm glad we have you aboard then, because that sounds like the absolutely perfect person for the conversation. And on the other side of the mic, uh, Usam El Hawali, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, good to uh, be in your uh, podcast, uh, Rafael. Um, I'm CTO at ArcServe. I joined a long tradition, a three-decade tradition of software development for data protection with ArcServe. And uh, we just recently launched a upgraded uh, uh, Series 9000 appliance. And uh, uh, that's uh, directed at... Um, um, you know, to combat ransomware. Uh, our partners in that launch are Sophos, and glad to be here to talk about it. Awesome. Well, let's dive in then. I mean, this is this is one of those this is one of those good double-sided conversations, right? Let's let's. I mean, I can't I can't get away from uh, the ransomware in the news. It, it has been over the last, especially a couple of months, absolutely every single conversation on LinkedIn, on Twitter, at conferences between vendors at the on the buyer side. Every single person, even the like the nine o'clock news is talking about ransomware. So my, my main question is, why is it such a why is it such a prolific attack vector, and what is making it so successful? And whoever you guys want to just jump in, I, I, I don't have anybody I'm particularly asking. Yeah, it's abundance of hackers. There's a lot of people out there, you know, who were in previous lives uh, employed by um, very, very lucrative um, government agencies or other uh, type of uh, uh, labs and environments where they had the opportunity to develop some skills on how to um, hack and get into uh, the the data. And some of them are white hats and some of them are not. (laughs) It's very, very profitable. 
and I think the technology of uh, cryptocurrency and makes it um, a, a safe crime. So um, I think these are the, the factors that are contributing to, uh, to, to to this growth and to the fact that you're listening uh, to, to hearing about it um, recently. Well, and I think... Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just saying, I, I think people don't realize, too, that this has been going on for a long time. So this specific crime is quite refined now. Uh, you know, the, the first ransomware came out in 1989. We're literally coming up on the 30th anniversary in, you know, six weeks of ransomware. So, uh, you know, as Osama said, like the, 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 the fact is uh, cryptocurrency, of course, is the latest innovation that made it safer for the criminals to do. But they've been kind of working on this as a concept for 30 years and figuring out what is the best way to to make a, a, a profit for the least amount of work is 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 um is there is there really this upward trend lately or have we simply been reporting on it more because you've seen municipalities get ransomware you've seen uh everything from i mean when it first started right it was my i was worried about my parents laptops and desktops being uh commandeered by something they clicked on or an email they got that they, you know that would ransomware them um, is it's becoming is it my imagination or is this becoming a, a, a bigger business now yeah it's shifted right because it, it, it went from a quantity play that meant it was targeting like you say your parents your family your friends at $400 a piece or $700 a piece right and and I think the shift recently has been toward the enterprise for incredibly high ransoms per victim which is less work for the criminals right so uh, I think the last few weeks talking to some of our analysts in our UK office they were saying we're averaging somewhere around two million dollars per ransom on the enterprise side now and that's compared to seven hundred dollars for your parents right so i think it's just getting more headlines because of the gigantic sums of money and the fact that it's shifted to enterprise which obviously is a a much bigger concern for uh security professionals yeah i i, I agree i think it has become very very lucrative and the, the the size of the business that market is, is has grown, and as a result, you know you hear about it um, you know more frequently. And I don't want to suggest that, that individuals aren't at risk anymore. There's still some criminals that are still sending out the desktop ransomware at your parents and our friends and families and all that kind of thing. But the impact that's having is, uh, one, I think, decreasing. There's there's fewer people falling victim to it than were. And uh, obviously, the focus in the enterprise, uh, most of us just don't care about re-imaging a laptop anymore, right? Like, why why pay $700 ransom to the criminals? So just reinstall Windows 10. It's as easy as clicking a button and, you know, reload some apps. We're all using the cloud now we don't even worry about the desktops but boy when those servers are ransomed are we in trouble yeah so yep. wh hold on so what is what is making the the attack so successful against the enterprise because i i, I swear you know every single uh, av engine out there i've seen we'll, we'll dive into that in a second but says we you know they'll, they'll they'll protect you from ransom what makes it different than than stopping say i don't know uh, you know any other piece of malware out there Part of it's that volume game, right? So uh, go back to CryptoLocker in 2013 that was targeting, you know, desktop computers. You know, we would see tens of thousands of copies of it an hour, potentially, right, as an AV vendor. So knowing what it looked like and how... Different copies or just... <laughs> 
Well, everything's polymorphic these days. So is it a different copy? I mean, every time you see a copy of the same piece of malware, it's different. So obviously in the lab, we look at that and say it's a different sample because it's got a different checksum. But the truth of the matter is it's the same malware with minor changes over and over and over and over and over again. So, you know, like last week, we averaged 450,000 unique file samples in our lab every day. But of those 450,000 samples, like 50% of them are only two or three viruses, right? So uh, the fact that they're polymorphic means they just rack up these ridiculous numbers that don't really mean anything. It's sort of like saying that your firewall blocked, you know, 10,000 attempts to break into your network today. Like, we all know that that's just scanning and noise and, you know, automated bots and stuff, right? Uh, But the number's still big. And the difference is these enterprise ransomwares uh, are very low volume, right? They, they, They handcraft them and go after a small number of customers per day and they keep changing it. So it, it's more difficult for AV vendors to get that that visibility into how they're mutating, right? Because you may only see 10 samples a day of certain families now. And uh, because the criminals know what the victims are running, they often do their research and they know that you're using McAfee or using Sophos. They'll try to do some testing ahead of time, right? To ensure that they're able to bypass some of the protections that are in place. That's an interesting one, and I guess I my, I guess I want to pose to you guys this: we we figured out how to, you know, uh, block very specific types of attacks because we know, shouldn't we know by now what an operating system legitimately does and doesn't do, uh, and and say okay, look, if something's trying to, compl- issue a certain number of calls to the system, start encrypting everything is like one that would, uh, you know, come to mind. Wouldn't we say, okay, this is probably not something we should do? Like, I, I, help me understand that. Yeah, well, I think this is one of the reasons we actually partnered with ArcServe because the types of things that your backup software is likely to do uh, often, you know, could look malicious to something that's trying to prevent ransomware, right? It's it's going through all of your files, it's storing them somewhere and encrypting them potentially to protect them, right? In the case of a backup, and you know, that's a great analogy for why this is a hard problem, right? Because you start thinking about what these days on your computer doesn't use encryption, right? I mean, I was looking actually just before we started the podcast, you know. Let's Encrypt uh, publishes stats on TLS usage of the web, for example. And according to the Mozilla Foundation, you know, 90% of U.S. web browsers' traffic is encrypted now. Uh, so just because an application on your PC loads an encryption library uh, and starts touching files, in no way does that indicate necessarily that it's ransomware. And, no, that's a fair uh, point. Yeah, I mean, it's, and and of course, the criminals are intentionally trying to muddy the water, right? They're trying to make their ransomware look like other things on your system that might do uh, encryption and touch a bunch of files, like, say, WinZip or your backup software. Mm, okay, yeah. so, go ahead. Yeah, so I I, I, I uh, think that the, the key element to here is, you know, we have to protect it. Uh, to protect any intrusions, uh, and then on secondary, if the uh, protection fails, then you have a backup system, so you can revert back to it, and um, and you know get back to where you were before the intrusion. Uh, but the, the other thing is these things are getting so sophisticated that um, the investment. I mean, these guys are motivated, right? Because it works. You you invest some time and some money, and uh, you get return investment. The the defensive mechanism is it's folks like like us, uh, you know, our motivation is obviously more, um, um, uh, you know, based on uh, productizing the, the, the defensive mechanism of our customers. Um, so uh, it, it's a it's a continuous uh, uh, 
cat and mouse uh, type of uh, situation. So it's it's still the same old uh, arms race, we'll call it, right? You build a, they build a better mouse, you build a better mouse trap. They build a better mouse, you build a better mouse trap. Right. Is there yep. a natural end to this at some point? I mean, do we just get? Is it is this something that? Uh, you know, many years ago, we said, all right, if we really want to get rid of uh, bad things, we just have to convince the operating system manufacturers to and developers to, to, to make a more resilient operating system. Is that is that what it's going to take, or is this just, do you think it's a permanent solution or situation? No. Yeah, I think that we have to look at it at the higher, you know, more like a social and socioeconomical level. Uh, I think the prosecution uh, and policing of these crimes is going to have to increase. But, you know, failure of that to, um, you know, to, to, um, be put in place and to be active and and, and yield some uh, tangible results. You know the customers, our customers are going to have to uh, protect themselves, and building these layers of protection um, by prevention first and then recovery second is going to actually show the hackers that uh, you know the, the amount of investment that they need to make in order to actively uh, penetrate and and uh, and um, uh, get their ransomware working is significantly higher um, uh, you know the, the the value proposition or if you will or the return on investment is not going to be the same that it is today we have to raise the costs, right? And, yeah. and that's certainly been successful uh, in other cases where, uh, you know, we look at, you know, before ransomware, most of the way these guys were getting in was drive-by web attacks against our, you know, unpatched Java in our web browsers or Flash <laughs> Player and all this stuff, right? right? We actually got, you know, I think people feel defeatist sometimes. We're actually making progress. We're just moving the problem around right now, right? So we, we got better at patching. So they kind of stopped attacking our web browsers, which is a kind of a win. Now, of course, they've moved into sort of this handcrafted attack that we're seeing with a lot of these ransomware attacks, right? So they're almost doing like a, a criminal pen test, right? They're they're doing the pen test, but nobody wants to write the report at the end of the pen test. So instead of writing the report, they're infecting you with ransomware. And, uh, you know, it as you know, we're building better defense, we'll make it more costly for them to continue to operate this way. And hopefully that will discourage them and move them away. And, and I think, you know, certainly uh, we're seeing more and more organizations that as long as their, their backups are protected, they're able to recover for maybe the same money or even less money than the ransom. And that means the ransomware guys are having to hit more victims to try to get the same amount of money. And so as long as we keep raising that cost up for them, I think they'll, you know, eventually move on to a different tactic again and obviously we don't know where they'll move on to but we moved them out of our web browser so now we need to move them off of our our uh, our database servers and things like that but yeah Chester it, it's a it's a numbers game right uh, wouldn't you agree it, the, the uh, today because of the number of the unprotected uh, victims uh, the success rate of these hackers is high once everybody's protected the success rate becomes low and then you start to look into the successful penetration I mean they, they you have to really really invest in something that um, you know we haven't thought of and then implemented and then then you start to look at the secondary you know out of the very few successful um, attacks and um, being able to encrypt the data how many are actually result in the payment of the ransom? Because one of the things that is going to be disappointing to the hackers is that they encrypt the data, they ask for the ransom, 
and now uh, the the victim is prepared and they do the backup and they're back and running and there is no communication there is no validation of that ransom there is not even a response back and once that starts to happen more frequently I think you will see some psychological discouragement and maybe shifting to you know something that's uh, you know more attractive more lucrative than than uh, this so I was going to ask you guys and get your opinion on this um, because everybody seems to have an opinion on this in the industry. Is it worth paying the ransom? Oh, is, is there any honor among thieves? Well, there's, that's a, it's a pretty mixed thing. I think companies underestimate how costly it is to recover even when they pay the ransom. And I, and I, I, I completely agree uh, uh, with your point about you know the, the, the fewer of us that pay will ultimately be the thing that moves them on. I mean, right now, uh, the last number I saw that we had internally was around a third of people are paying the ransoms in these enterprise attacks. Um, it, so it's still enough people paying the ransom that it's worth it for the criminals. More often than not, the criminals do give you your files back, but organizations seriously underestimate how much money it's going to cost them to recover, even if they pay the ransom. I mean, uh, you know, whether you're recovering from backups or you're recovering from ransom, there's still costs associated with the attack. And we're seeing more and more of our customers going, you know what, if I'm going to have to spend a million dollars to recover. I'd much rather spend a million dollars to recover on services that are going to improve my security posture so I'm better prepared to defend myself against a future attack than I am handing a million dollars over to the criminals and still having to spend a half a million dollars to recover my systems anyway. Because just because you get the files back doesn't mean that you don't need to rebuild those servers, validate that data, report that breach to the information commissioner, potentially pay regulatory fines. I mean, there's a lot of complexity beyond just paying the ransom. So we really encourage people to avoid that. Well, so yeah, go ahead. It, it's a business call, right? I mean, so like Chester said, if uh, if it's uh, if you're going to pay uh, ransom with the hopes that you know you will get the key and and you'll be back in in business, sometimes it's uh, more attractive. But if you're protected and you've already prepared yourself, then the that business decision that call is a lot simpler. You, you just um, uh, you know revert to your um, uh, previous data your you have. Uh, I put in place a process that, um, you know, I tested the process, they can revert you back, and uh, then it's um, easier to make that call. Oh, and I love watching them squirm, and they do squirm, and I think we need to make them squirm some more, right? Like, you know, to, <laughs> the, we, we had a client in Canada that did have backups, and uh, initially the criminals had asked, I think, for about a $2.6 million ransom. Holy moly. And uh, the, cu- the customer wasn't sure about their backups because they weren't as well protected as they should have been. They weren't, you know, they didn't know the procedure. They didn't have that process down that they had practiced to know how they were going to recover. So they were just kind of trying to buy some time from the crooks while they were testing their restore procedures to make sure that they could get back on their feet. And they, and they were, you know, they were able to successfully restore and get on their feet. But during that time, the criminals came back and after a few days, the criminals were like, well, how about 2.1 million ransom? And then it was a million ransom. And by the last day, when they finally were getting all their systems fully recovered, uh, the criminals were like, how about 600,000? <laughs> wow. You know, and it was just fantastic to hear them tell that story because I, you know, I think that's the thing that when we start repeating that, right, we're restoring from those backups, we may be buying time to make sure that our business is going to be okay. But making those criminals squirm and know that they're not necessarily going to get a return on their investment, right? They invested yeah. a lot of time into breaking into your network. Uh, that's when they decide it's just not worth doing anymore. 
Yeah. So interesting question because I've seen this, and and some of us. So back when the big thing to do was encrypt. Uh, when they started on the end user, they would encrypt all your photos and all your Excel spreadsheets and documents. And you know, for the average end user to lose all your photos is, is painful. It was less than a hundred dollars. Like the hundred bucks they were asking to pay, people were like, you know what? It's a hundred bucks to get all my memories back. All right, fine. Um, but then, and, but then people got smart and they like had these, you know, detachable backup drives and stuff. They'd go after that too, right? So it's not just it, it, the malware isn't just going after the system. It's looking at, um, you know, potentially, you know, uh, encrypting your backups as well. Uh, from what I've heard, is that accurate? Yeah, and that's what makes this uh, alliance with Sophos and Arcster very attractive because there are two main components here that fit very naturally in. One is the encryption. So the um, the Sophos uh, software has the ability to um, recognize that the encryption is being done by ArcServe, um, the, the ArcServe software, and therefore label it as legitimate and not take the actions to stop it or to warn it or, or delete those files. And the second one is that this the sophistication that you were talking about, Rafael, is uh, is attacking the, the boot drive, uh, you know, the, the mechanism that allows the computer to, to restart so that if you wanted to kind of reset your computer and, and, and clear the memory and, and those things and, and shake it off, you're not able to do that. Um, and so, again, here, uh, the, the uh, ArcServe uh, software provides uh, the bare metal restore capabilities. And that's, that's actually pretty interesting. That's very that that's a that's a leg up than just putting uh, putting files back. They, exactly, and so you, you know, with the um, intercept software, you're protected. You're, uh, and the, the the key components that are susceptible to an an attack or have been in the past are also protected, and uh, the software can help uh, recover the data if necessary. Yeah, and that bare metal part is really important, right? Because back to those costs of recovery for for customers, uh, you know, if you pay the ransom, you can't trust the computer that was ransomed, right? You you still need to restore that computer back to a fresh operating system because who knows what back doors or other things may have been left behind, and 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 I think that's often the, you know, the whole. The whole thing with the ransom payments, you know, they used to have a, a, a time on it, right? They go, in 72 hours, we're going to delete the keys, trying to put time pressure on you to make a bad decision and pay them. And part of that time pressure makes people panic and, and potentially pay, and they forget all these other costs that they're going to have to, to restore. And it's so much more effective to not only have the backups and not pay the ransom, but that bare metal restore means you have a, the integrity of a system you can trust again. So I think the one thing that is largely forgotten, and you guys had hinted at this uh, a minute ago or so, um, when, when we're talking about the, the what to do after a ransomware attack is not only just get yourself back to a trusted operating state, but figure out what in the heck happened, and is there a patch that you missed? Is there Did somebody click something? Did they download something? Did, was there a, an open vulnerability somewhere? Uh, I think that's probably... That's probably one of one of those hidden pieces that people tend to forget about, right? Because we, we read about the cost it takes to restore data, the time it takes to destroy, to restore data. Even when it's destroyed and gone, it's really, um, yeah, you got to you got to bring those systems back online, push the data back to it, push the operating system back to it. But then you got to figure out, so they don't come right back, right? 
Yeah, the, uh, I mean, EDR is getting more and more adopted across enterprises now, and that's obviously the the uh, generally a big leg up in helping investigate these things. But uh, we're also seeing that a lot of this is not uh, necessarily technical vulnerabilities, like you might consider, you know, an exploit or a zero day or something. Uh, more often than not, in our experience, is just bad practice. Uh, you know, the, the quite a few of these groups are simply scanning the internet for open RDP sessions to servers uh, using things like Shodan and Census, you know, search engines to find people that left VNC or RDP open. And uh, they're just doing password stuffing of the password leaks from things like the LinkedIn breach a few years ago. And sadly, IT administrators don't change their passwords just like everybody else. <laughs> and those things are working to get them in. So, I mean, sometimes, of course, uh, you know, you, you do your, you use your EDR and trade Trace the you know trace the initial breach back and it is something like you know an email with some PowerShell script or you know malicious PDF or Word document or something but more often than not it's uh, social engineering phishing and good old fashioned uh, credential stuffing that that's causing a lot of these. Good practices do help. Um, also, putting in place processes. A lot of people don't know that they have, uh, uh, you, you know, just the, the common sense, but you know, taught in and and uh, awareness that's brought into, um, you know, regular training sessions or uh, other methods of uh, dissemination of information that can let the users know that if you are getting emails from, if you're getting an email from a person you don't know, if you see something suspicious, you know, all of these things are signs that. Uh, you know something is not right and you need to report it create an, a, a process where you know who do I go to what to um, you know one of the common things I do if I see something that's not normal I send it to um, the the IT person uh, responsible in our organization to, to, to look at that and wait for their uh, you know validation to say you know this is the, this is what it is and you're you know okay to go or not or, or thanks for forwarding this to me but I, I think um, the other thing is uh, there has to be a a plan, uh, you know, when you get that red screen with the lock on it and your files have been encrypted, and there has to be a, a rehearsed plan of what do you do, who do you call, um, how do you uh, operate under those these circumstances, who is the person to, you know, make that call and the decision, what is the restore, um, you know, process, and how how, how do we, you know, uh, how do we execute that, that that process? So all of these things, you know, when they're thought. Uh, through and they're put in place and 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 and, and executed and rehearsed, can yield to some very and can can provide the, the maximum the ultimate amount of protection. Yeah, that that plan reduces the panic, right? When you know what to do when something bad happens, you're so much uh, you're able to recover so much more quickly, right? Uh, and we've actually noticed that some of our customers that live in disaster areas are far faster at recovering from ransomware attacks because they already have a business continuity plan, right? If you live in an area that's frequented by earthquakes or hurricanes, uh, your business probably knows how to recover from a disaster. You know how to go to your backups, restore your systems, get backup systems online, go back to other procedures because your business is being disrupted. And those same things work for cyber incidents, right? I mean, you've got to, I, I, most uh, people have a, a thing on the, uh, uh, the cork board behind their desk that tells them where to go when the fire alarm goes off or, uh, you know, how to, uh, what to do when, when there's an earthquake. And we need sort of that when there's an IT security emergency, you know, forward it or or contact, you know, security at my company dot com. Call extension four, 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 four. We're here to help, uh, you know, do this, do that so that people can help you remediate and contain the disaster and, and limit the damage. So that's 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 actually a really good plan. Uh, are you guys seeing 
give me give me some hope. Are you guys seeing enterprises more resilient to ransomware? I mean, in spite of in and outside of your customer base, right? Because the, the the two things together sound like a really good idea. But outside of the, uh, the of the customer base, are you guys seeing companies more resilient to ransomware attacks? And and sort of what is that slope? Is it getting better? At what rate? I think I'm seeing that the enterprises at the bigger end are better and better prepared and have more of those action plans and are very carefully studying how they manage their security and their backups to be sure they can't be disrupted. Um, In the mid-market and the smaller businesses, I think there's a gigantic lack of awareness that this is something that's going to hit them. Uh, Almost every one of the customers I talk to that are in that, you know, thousand seat to 2000 seat range are like, oh, we, we read about this in the news but we figured that only happens to big companies or we only hear about it when it happens to FedEx and Maersk and, you know, all these things that were in the headlines in the last couple of years for these giant companies that were hit. And they get, the, you know, they're, they're led to believe that the, they're too small or they're too unimportant or the criminals won't find them. And so I find those organizations are still sadly really not very well prepared. But, but on the enterprise side, the preparedness uh, in the last year or two, the increase has been dramatic and very positive. Yeah, there's more, there's more awareness, obviously, but there is still that, uh, you know, we all think that, you know, we're not, everybody's talking uh, amongst themselves and saying, yeah, we, we shouldn't be victims. Uh, you know, when they see something in the news, that they assume that they have better protection, they um, that they're not going to be victims. And the, the fact is, there is an attack every 14 seconds. And the, the chances are, you know, so high today that uh, even, you know, the most uh, uh, secure and, 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 the, um, and the protected uh, enterprises um, are not, um, are not safe from attempts. So let me ask this question because at the big enterprise level, they can afford, um, you know, multiple products. They can afford to do, you know, backup, for, you know, uh, at a at a centralized location, distributed enterprise, that kind of thing. You've got a you've got a small shop, fifty to uh, two hundred people. Uh, they can afford some security, but you know they've got to they've got to figure out where their one or two IT people are best served, right? And is is ransomware is something that's top of mind and can they can they those kinds of organizations afford that better protection as well absolutely it's just a matter of uh, often it's a matter of of using what you have uh, better right like I know in in our case like our our ransomware protection and our software isn't really any extra cost over anything else but it's a competitive advantage we may have over uh, other suppliers and also it's the use of things like multi-factor authentication uh, that it's a matter of turning those things on and it doesn't really cost any money but it provides a lot of extra protection because we're actually seeing the criminals now will when they break in they'll try to go into the management tool for your security software to turn it off and so if all they need is your password and they broke in by stealing your password then they'll just turn off your security so sometimes it's just configuration options that don't really cost any money it's just about raising awareness about them and making sure people use them and other times it's about selecting vendors that are providing you superior protection uh, uh, for the same price that you're paying for for a more traditional or, or, or less sophisticated defense yeah, and we're providing um, the 9000 series 
the ArcServe 9000 series with the Sophos protection at no additional cost to our um, customers. It's just a higher level of uh, protection and of uh, peace of mind. But I think the the, uh, the heart of it is the process. Uh, you know, if, if the, the, these are tools, you know, the, the, the backup uh, software, the protection um, uh, software, these are just tools that can facilitate uh, or can uh, you know pr- protect you. But it, it, the the approach and the process and the and the thought behind it and putting in place uh, uh, procedures and testing them that's the, the the initiative that actually prepares you mentally for these type of situations. So uh, you guys, you know, folks that are listening know that I absolutely one of the things that I, I love uh, to talk about in security is how integrations make both or multiple things better. Uh, so we've got a backup uh, a backup company essentially right a, a disaster recovery backup company and then an anti malware anti bad whatever uh, organization how are you guys tell me how you guys are better together and sort of how the, how the 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 coming together of these two organizations actually works and give me a little bit of detail how, whatever you want to give us i guess yeah, some of the things that uh, um, that we brought together, and a lot of testing, a lot of uh, you know analysis of how the, the the ransomware software works, how the the attacks happen. So one of the things we talked about is the uh, um, the encryption. Is the encryption legitimate? Because in the process of protecting data, you know, backing up data, we do encrypt the files. Um, and so, if the the the, the, the software has the ability to recognize that this is uh, encryption that's being done by the ArcServe uh, backup software, and therefore uh, it's a legitimate and and um, um, uh, acknowledge it that way. Uh, any other activity of encryption that is not legitimate, uh, obviously, is uh, is is targeted as a threat and dealt with immediately. Um, the other aspect of it is, you know, can, um, uh, is the, the backup process, uh, should um, there be, a, you know, a malicious attempt, uh, is the backup software, can it recover uh, from previous versions and therefore, you know, the bare metal restore type of recovery, uh, you know, those things are synchronized together to, to make sure that, um, you know, they work in, in harmony. So uh, that's the added value there. And I think another really important thing that we see for why people don't do the right thing is performance. By designing things to work together, we can very carefully tune stuff and make sure that we're not having a negative impact on the product and it's able to do its duties without us getting in the way. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we just conducted a survey that we haven't released yet, but one of the statistics I saw in the survey for why companies aren't putting the same level of protection on their servers that they do on their endpoints is the concern around performance. And and, you know, they're worried that by having all the security software installed that their servers aren't going to scale as well or they're not going to be as performant. And so, you know, our, our partnership with ArcServe allows us to make sure that we're not making your backups take twice as long. You don't have any fear for the security that we're providing because we can design it so that we uh, aren't stepping on each other's toes, but you get the best of both worlds. Well, but that is a legitimate concern. I mean, multi the fact that security agents, the more agents you add and every workstation, every server out there is stacked with agent on agent right and they all either step on each other or add I don't care if you're telling me it's adding one or two percent CPU you add ten of them together you've got twenty percent that that's that's a lot that's a lot of performance hit so I, I like the fact that you guys yeah you have good um, you guys have published uh, performance metrics I'm assuming too so we can kind of people can take a look 
Uh, they're, uh, I, you know, we've looked at them at, uh, at the, in our labs, uh, and um, uh, there's no impact on the footprint. There is um, not a significant impact on, on the processes running. Um, so uh, I'm, very, I'm very, very happy with uh, what, what we've seen. Um, the other thing that I forgot to mention is uh, um, we have uh, we're offering this uh, as a as a complete solution. So. Uh, our customers, uh, if they have an issue, they call us directly. Um, so it's not two organizations. Oh, uh, and when, yeah, and when you're, you're set it up, you obviously, um, you know, have two consoles, one for uh, Sophos and one, but one and one for ArcServe. But one is once it's set up. Um, you know the, the the processes are integrated uh, together, and the and the, the the default settings from the intercept software are such that um, uh, they are customized to run uh, with UDP and acknowledges you know the the, the times in, in which the the uh, backup uh, jobs are running, uh, the process consumption and and and, uh, and, and memory consumption. So that there is uh, a consideration for that. On both sides, can you, is this uh, is this something that uh, you guys can run in AWS, Azure, GCP under my desk, or is is it, is it like physical server only, or? In the future, it will be. Right now, it's uh, it's the uh, appliance, and okay. so it comes in the appliance. It's securing basically that that unit, but obviously the data now that's in that unit is secure. And as uh, as the customer chooses to move that data or another copy of that data to the cloud, um, then you know you have the, the uh, you're comfortable that that data that's being moved to the cloud is is safe and sanitized, if you will. Yeah, looking forward to that. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are looking forward to to your uh, to the release of the uh, the the cloud the public cloud version of that that tool. That sounds like a pretty pretty good idea. Uh, so I'll I'll ask because I'm curious. I'm gonna go take a look. Where can uh, where can somebody listening go? Uh, what's the best place to go get more information or sign up for a trial or or you know just read more? Yeah, website our um, arcserve.com. Um, our partners. Uh, regional um, uh, distributors. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, um, yeah. Reach out to us. Then we'll be more than happy to do a POC. You can request a demo of the appliance, and or you have uh, the appliance shipped to you. You can try run your own POC. Cool. Well, so yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, I, I, I'll leave this. I'll leave you guys with one kind of question because this is a. Uh, it's not to be funny, but it, it's 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 a funny <coughs> question sometimes because we all talk about backing stuff up. How 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 adamant are you guys about your customers testing the restore procedure? So it's not just hey, we're backing up. Everything should be great. Have you tested the restore? <laughs> Yeah, we we encourage that um, because um, you know we, we want to make sure, and that's part of the planning. I mean, you have to run these scenarios uh, and play them uh, before the actual attack. Because if you're doing it the, the first time, it, it's even if it works, it's going to take a lot longer time than if you have it rehearsed. That's a fair well, point. sometimes we're bad at following our own advice, right? I mean, as I know <laughs> in doing my backups that I, uh, I I found out that they worked the first time I made a mistake. <laughs> Because <laughs> we never make the time. It's always on the it's always on the checklist, right? I've got this notepad on my desk of things I need to do, and it's like you know, back up my GPG keys, t- test the backups, <laughs> never get to it until you accidentally realize you wiped out that folder, and you're like, oh gosh, I sure hope the backup worked. <laughs> <laughs> is is there a, is there a consumer edition of the of, of what you guys are selling? Is there like a for for people like myself to go give it a shot, or is this a commercial only? 
Uh, well, the appliance is, um, you know, the, the, it's 12 terabytes uh, on the lower end of the appliance. Well, that's definitely more so, than I need. <laughs> so if you are uh, an avid collector of, um, you know, pictures and uh, videos and things like that, you may have 12 terabytes. And certainly, I mean, you know, the, the, the storage isn't going to discriminate about the, the usage of the data. But it's typically intended for, um, you know, a, a small, medium-sized business to uh, an enterprise uh, level, anything between the range of 12 terabytes to, I think, half a petabyte of capacity in the appliance on the higher end. Dang. And certainly the ransomware protection from Sophos is available, you know, independently, right? We, we've done a lot of work to make it work well with ArcServe on their appliances, but people that desire that uh, type of ransomware protection on their systems, whether it be, you know, at home or at work, uh, our IntercepTX product includes the ransomware protection that we call CryptoGuard, and it's available for home users from our home.sophos.com product, and oh, cool. it's available, obviously, for enterprise as well. I, I actually use that. Okay, pretty awesome. Cool. All right, guys. Yep. Hey, thanks for uh thanks for sharing some some of this with us this is uh, I, I love it I, I love it when when companies get together that that you know the whole we talk about better together all the time but insecurity is one of those fields that I think that it, it could not be more important to work with to partner and truly integrate and partner not just you know in, in marketing but actually do work together uh, because the less dashboards somebody has to stare at, the less products they have to cobble together themselves. Uh, I'm sure my listeners are going kind of nodding along, right? The, the easier and and more secure and more safe their the, the their everyday lives are going to be. So I, I thanks you guys for for doing this, and hopefully it's uh, it's going to make an impact out there. Uh, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having Thank us. So, folks, uh, that's another one in the books, uh, 368 down. Um, you know, arcserve.com, go give it a shot. Uh, it's it's actually pretty in, pretty heck good, pretty interesting product. If you're not doing backup at the office or if you don't know how you're doing it, tomorrow might be the day to ask. Or if you're on your way to the, to the office today as you're listening to this, now might be the time to ask um, because it's not just cat videos anymore that we're all saving, right? So uh, give it, a, give this give this an interesting shot, uh, and we'll uh, – we'll We've got more content for you in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned as we go out to Vegas for Infuse Conference as well. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This has been another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. You can always find us on LinkedIn. There's a group for that, as of course, and there's a, a hashtag DTSR on Twitter. And so for James, who wasn't here with me today but uh, is here in spirit, this is Raf signing off. We'll see you guys another time, another place on yet another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Ciao, y'all. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.